welcome to Minefields. My name is Joshua Michael. This here is my best friend, Colin. What's uh, up, brother? I am, in fact, your best friend. You're goddamn right you are. I'm fucking territorial about you, too, man. Yeah, no, I know <laughs> it. I've seen it. Seen it. Seen it. Oh, the, the, the wrath has been felt by multiple humans. But this no dogs. No dogs. Mm-hmm. You haven't hurt any dogs over it. No. <laughs> no, no, no. God, my fucking friend Christina, lover to death, gets another goddamn dog, and I'm like, great, another fucking mouth to feed. She's <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, it's I a had a girlfriend once that uh, she was broke, she was trying to go to school, um, all this stuff at the same time, and then one day I came over to see her, and she had a dog, and she had a beautiful puppy uh, German Shepherd, and... Uh, it was just so much. It was just so much. And that was years and years ago. Just like a kid. Yeah, it's German a lot. Sh- we've got two of them. It's just like a kid. Did your did your German Shepherds ever ha- experience Demodex? What the hell is that? Okay, good. You don't want it. It's uh, either the name of uh, the starship uh, driven by a villain in Star Trek, or um, it is actually some kind of... I believe a fungus or a bacteriological infection that is particular to German shepherds and it eats the base of their fur to where then they have these little patches of no fur uh, and it's kind of mangy and it's just kind of gross. And I don't even remember how she took care of it. it. Just she couldn't afford the dog. And then she's got this dog and it's got this skin condition that she couldn't afford either. So you just made me real remember something that uh, first off, you and I are Eskimo brothers on like three different levels already. Ouch! Uh, w- one of <laughs> put one it out of there. Our, one of uh, one of our shared uh, experiences. Uh, we're not going to name names, but uh, she took me home after DJing at the club at light, and we had a good night. And I was really drunk, and I woke up out of the dead of the night, not because I'd go to the bathroom, not because there was a loud noise. But because she had like six cats. Oh, crazy cat lady. The the smell of cat urea was just pungent, overpowering. And she was passed the fuck out. And I went looking for the smell and I I I located it and there was she had a closet that went under the stairs because it was like a duplex. So it was like a closet that went real deep and then narrowed down like Harry Potter's. Like, yeah, uh, mm-hmm. like his uh, little apartment down there. There was five giant cat litter boxes filled and overflowing with shit. Uh-huh. And what was worse was like I went to the bathroom and uh, I'm, g- <laughs> I'm like, okay. I'm trying to like breathe through my mouth, not hurt too. And I look down, and there, <laughs> there is a pile of Magnum condoms on top of the toy, on top of the trash can, and like one or two drip, drippy, leaky ones. And I'm like, oh shit. <laughs> were and, they yours? Uh, they were definitely not mine. <laughs> well, at least everybody's being safe. Yeah, yeah. No, no, I wasn't that safe that night, and that was one of those like, oh shit. <laughs> Anyway, well, I know I know who you're talking about. I can mm-hmm. I can I can tell off the top of my head. And it was the, worth fun, it. the crazy thing about all of that is that our paths were not crossing when <laughs> any of this stuff was going down. 
any of the uh, human females that we happen to uh, interact with on that level, it was years apart. And it was like before I knew you. And then it's been After. since then or something yeah. like that. And uh, man, yeah. Well, anyway, let's That's talk about let's, let's <laughs> talk about some let's talk about some uh, pop culture. <laughs> pop culture. Uh, let's yeah, let's start, start a little lighter, and then uh, then uh, then we'll go uh, we'll go to the or, the sad or, spot on our soul right now. But um, all right, right, right. Yeah. What are we starting with? Man, I was just uh, talking to a buddy of mine about this fan expo in Dallas that's this weekend. It's today. The third of May, it's the fourth and fifth, and they've got a really nice lineup of uh, interesting folks. Some people I haven't seen anywhere in a long time. Um, you know, Zachary Levi is striking while the iron is hot. You know, he just portrayed uh, Shazam in the not Captain Marvel movie of DC quality, and uh, apparently that is kicking some ass. But um, he's he's going to be there. David Harbour, lots of interesting guys. Freaking Kiefer Sutherland, Corey Feldman, and Jason Patrick from the Lost Boys. That's... And the ashes of the other uh, Corey? Uh, they will not be bringing those <laughs> along, I'm sure. <laughs> Though Corey Feldman, being who he is, might have a vial of Corey Haim's ashes. But God then rest his soul, man. When I think about Hollywood tragedy, the pair of those boys, if you've listened to any of their... Any of uh, Feldman's conversations and interviews about the type of crap they had to put up with coming I know up. And, you're at. Dude, I know it's, what you're getting at. That's, I, that's I just, just honestly, I think that guy deserves a big hug from us all for put for putting up with all of that crap. Dude, uh, I love the Corey. I love the Corey. Oh, the Corys were awesome. They're still license. Awesome. License to Drive was one of the funniest fucking movies when I was a dude, kid. Dude, I love that movie. It is so bad. Have you watched the trailer to that movie recently? Oh. Oh, absolutely. It, I can't it believe popped it. Up. <laughs> Uncle Phil was in that. He was the shithead uh, uh, DMV guy that, like, puts his coffee on the top of the, oh, yeah. the dash. <laughs> I just laugh Uncle because Phil. the trailer goes through and then it's like, get ready for a license to drive. And then Corey Haim comes out and he's like, whoa, whoa, this trailer isn't over yet. And then there's, like, another minute of it. Uh, and I gotta say that Billy Ocean song was totally tight. The Billy Ocean oh, song from that movie, everything. I love it. Everything Billy Ocean did was great. But um, yeah, we're not in any way affiliated with this fan expo in Dallas. I'd kind of like to go, but I wasn't planning on it because I had a union meeting in Houston and that totally, I wasn't included on an email. So now I'm not going and I'm trying to figure out how I get reimbursed for this ticket that I paid for to fly down there. Um, so I'm definitely not going to Dallas, despite the fact that I could, I'm not affiliated with it, but I'm pushing this because who puts a fan expo anywhere in a major metropolitan area on free comic book day? That is tomorrow, Saturday, February, or not February, uh, May the 4th. And, uh, there's a there's a lot of like people don't understand that free comic book day might be free comic book day, but there's some of those free comics that are worth a lot of goddamn money. Dude, I have that Scott Pil- Hold on a second, I'm gonna put, take my headphones off and grab this thing. Keep talking. Cool. All right. So uh, specifically, one of the things that makes me really sad about uh, this free comic book day is it's 
probably going to be the first free comic book day, actually definitely, where we don't get a free Bongo comic book. And the, oh, the really? Simpsons comic books. Yeah, dude, the, the, the free comic book day Bongo Simpsons was always just this hodgepodge of awesomeness. Uh, yeah, I always look out for always look out for the tick. There's always a free comic book day for the tick. Um, even though it's always really bad, it hasn't been good since uh, Big Blue uh, Destiny came out. Eli Stone did that. That was fucking great. Um, but it's still the tick. And I, I just love the tick. When I, we were at uh, last time I was at Denver Comic Con with my good buddy, Chad, we went to a, uh, a panel and I know you hate panels, but it was Patrick Warburton. No, no, no! And I could stand a panel. I just don't see why everybody makes a big deal out of it because he was—he was so funny. He was so funny, and he just gave us all a treat just to be in his presence. Definitely has some hair plugs. You can see him from that far away, but it's okay. <laughs> and but he—he he, he touched on the tick a little bit, and mm-hmm. I, I didn't get picked. And he kept looking at me because I was just so eager beaver. I was also really fucking drunk, <laughs> and and um. I didn't get picked to talk, but as he's walking away, I just yelled spoon and he, he was walking out the door uh, on the side stage and he just turns around, doesn't about face and looks me dead in the eyes and gives me a spoon. It, <laughs> I'm like, I did that. I did that. <laughs> I did that. Um, uh, uh, you, you, that Scott Pilgrim was gorgeous. That's I, awesome. I got really excited for a second, and now I'm concerned that I might have the wrong idea about it. Um, I, uh, I have this Scott Pilgrim full color odds and ends from 2008, and uh, and that's from Oni Press. I actually have a T-shirt that's red that has the entire cover image in yellow, and um, I've still got that up there. I've got a picture of me with Mark Webb who played Wallace Wells in Scott Pilgrim versus the world wearing that t-shirt. I worked with him a few years ago on a movie in 2015. Um, and, uh, I'm, I'm under the impression I got this as a free comic book day book, but I, I feel like since it's, since it's 2008, I probably picked this up at the Oni booth at San Diego comic-con. Uh, and now my story's all botched, but the tragedy of this thing is that, it's got two creases in the binding because it was at the back of a long box. I don't know how this happened. It was all the way at the back of a long box. And you know how when you don't have a full yeah. amount of boarded and bagged? One gets, one yeah. gets folded under. Oh, this one dude, got tell me bent over in two places. And I, I got on eBay and it was 80 bucks when I realized that. And I, I'm never going to get rid of this thing. I've been, I, you know, I've had some issues with money in the last couple of months and stuff, and I've sold off a lot of eBay stuff, uh, stuff on eBay, but um, I don't know that I would get rid of this particular book. I'm too much of a fan of the, uh, of uh, Scott Pilgrim. Dude, you're, you're preaching to the choir, man. My uh, Doomsday Clock, uh, the, uh, the real nice uh, Rorschach cover that was the lenticular cover yeah. got eaten alive in a long box, oh. just folded in half. Oh, it was such a, and my metal number one, Batman metal number one, just eaten, eaten by a fucking long box. If I, I need to find something to put in there. Um, oh, by the way, guys, uh, a random, just bit of knowledge. If you've got a kid that's not, you don't really know for sure if he's going to be okay in a big crowd, like at a, at a free comic book day at the comic store where there's lines around the corner, there's sales, people are bringing like mounds of comics and, and action figures to the counter. 
Free Comic Book Day also happens at your local library. Oh, that's nice. I didn't realize that. It'll also happen at your local library. So just find your local library and see if they participate. And it'll be nice and quiet, and you get a bunch of free comics. And if your kid doesn't do well in crowds, uh, I know a lot of my friends uh, ha- do have some autistic kids that are just wonderful, wonderful kids. And I, I just hate that term because they're just wired different. There's nothing wrong with them. But they, a lot of them don't like crowds. Uh, local library. Google and see if your local library is going to have uh, have uh, the free comic week day going on. Because we would always – back in Norman, we would always hit every place up. Speeding Bullet. Mm-hmm. Speeding Bullet, we would hit up Atomic Pop, which was next to the best pizza place in the world that I love. It was Sandro's Pizza. You'd go in for $2. You'd go get a stack of comics at Atomic Pop. Get a, go $2. Sandro's Pizza, run by this Russian dude that like said his <laughs> name was like John or something. Like, this guy was obviously in the Witness Protection Program. <laughs> <laughs> Drove a big-ass Harley and just would make sure – he'd be like, no, no, no. No, pizza, pizza old. Hold on. Pizza old. And then, yeah. <laughs> and then, and then he'd tell me to hold on. And then he'd take something straight out of the oven. Just oh, for, that's nice. Just, he was such a rad gentleman. And he made sure that he's like, no, no, no. Coke, Coke only dollar. Okay. Refill, refill. I'm like, okay. And yeah, I'd, I'd sit yeah. there, I'd sit there for an hour just reading a stack of comics and just getting slice after slice. And every time he put it, gingerly into the oven and made sure i was getting the fresh good pizza and then we'd hit up uh the other atomic pop in moore and then it more it, it's close to more it was at eight, southwest 89th and Penn. yeah yeah the, 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 that's like still the, the one city. that's by the the one that's by that johnny carino's and the one that's like dirty and then that um, one where we went and you didn't like the uh the poppers yeah. or whatever that appetizer you thought yeah, you lost then, those magic cards there? I know what you're oh, talking dude, about. Oh, dude, I was freaking out. And That's then, still in the city. It's not technically more, but I get And you. then maybe, maybe we'd hit up All-Star. And then, uh, but my, we'd also hit oh, up Hastings. Yeah. We'd hit up Hastings, and we'd, we'd make a whole day of just journeying. God, I miss my big brother. Who did you do that with? Jim, man. With Jim? Like, oh, Jim. Woo! You gotta have it. Dude, come back to me. Come on. Sorry. I, Hit it, I, I man. Was, Do been, it. Oh, I've been thinking about him a lot lately, man. I know. Like a, it's it's yeah. he he was such he was such a fucking pervert. And uh <laughs> and he was the best pervert. And he would be like, dude, tell all your friends that I, your your big brother's dying of cancer and get some uh front titty hugs. <laughs> and I'm like, okay. And then the other day I had a customer on the phone that was telling me like that had the, the same lymphoma that he had. And I messaged one of the girls with big titties at work and was like, I needed a hug. This lady was talking about the cancer that killed my big brother and she just showed up and I got that good front titty hug. And I knew Jim would have been like, yeah. <laughs> His pair, he's giving you a pair of thumbs up from, uh, oh. from heck or wherever he is. Oh no, he's, he's, he's somewhere awesome. He's somewhere awesome. Is he Valhalla he's or Stovacor, maybe? Oh, oh he's in, absolutely in Valhalla. He was such... Oh, god damn. Jim. Jim Bill. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. Um, all right, since we're on that, let's talk about Peter Mayhew. Peter Mayhew. Oh, yeah, let's go... Uh, go, Dude, Peter Mayhew. Peter Mayhew, Chewbacca. 
our uh, our favorite Wookiee. Let's see. How do we even begin? Uh, he died yesterday, right after. It's one of those things where you figure that all of the primetime nightly news at you know six or five thirty or whatever, they've got these things ready to go in the event somebody dies. And uh, I I didn't catch it. I was not home tonight to see if they did. I always wonder about that stuff. But the I remember it being right after one of those shows was over and going and getting on Facebook and just pow, six or seven things saying Peter Mayhew died. He was 74 and uh, he had worked as an orderly in a hospital in London for some years in an in attempts to get an acting career going because he was a very very tall man and right. uh, and then he got cast as Chewbacca mainly on his physique but he, when the when the work was over he did not stop working at that hospital until after return of the jedi came out and then he made his really? entire living as a convention attendee uh for signings and appearances Forever after that, until he was cast again as Chewbacca in, uh, I believe, the prequels, and uh, maybe even so recently as... Um, I thought he was in The Force Awakens. That's the one, yeah. Uh, I'll, I'll look it up while you're talking. Yeah, go ahead. And so, yeah, the man was freaking tall. And, I mean, we used to, I used to go to Trek Expo in Tulsa. And um, that was run by the brothers that uh, owned and operated Starbase 21, which was a barely overpriced in some ways, but awesome, awesome, like science fiction, comic book store, great place. I got a lot, I got almost all of my Robotech comics there and almost all of my Marvel G.I. Joe books there. Every, nice. And, and uh, they would, they would run Trek Expo every year. And I've got buddies from England and Michigan and all over the world who would uh, sell uh, autographs and toys up, up, you know, high, high end collectible toys at that expo. And Peter Mayhew became uh, a fixture. He was there. He would, you could, you could meet him there. Um, he, uh. The Trek Expo, when it was at its biggest, was at the uh, Tulsa County Fairgrounds, and um, it didn't need the whole place, but it was still huge, and um, I've got a lot of Facebook friends that I know from those events, so the, I mean, he, he was a sweet guy, you could absolutely, he was approachable, he would sign, I don't ever remember him being irascible or tired of being a, you know... Technically, the guy is unfortunately a one-hit wonder, but some, you know, hey, there's a lot of one-hit wonders that I've never heard return. I've never heard uh, Mark. What's it? Mark Morrison, Return of the Mac. Like I've never heard. That's still a great song. Bum, 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 that's one bum. of our favorite songs. I mean, what is it? You can be a one-hit wonder, and who can, who isn't gonna be? Who isn't gonna feel the endearing quality of Chewbacca? That's all the guy ever had to do, and. The accessibility we had to be able to communicate with this guy all these times, to make fans happy, to take pictures with them, it always, always worked. I don't know. Have you got a you got a story? I do, but I feel like such a fucking asshole about it. 
Yeah, mine isn't uh, super enthusiastic. <laughs> no, but, I just feel like a prick because, like, I met him in Denver Comic Con 2013, and okay. I was with my good friend Don. We were smoking pot the whole fucking time, like just literally walking through, like the the convention center, just vaping pot, mm-hmm. and it was awesome. There's hardly anyone there. I was already having a panic attack already because I hate that shit. I don't know why, but she, she was a hot chicken offered it to me and so fuck it and i see peter mayhew and fifty dollars to get a signature and there's bucks. no one there's no one in line and i was like man i don't i don't have the money for that but i just want to say hello to him mm-hmm. and i just breeze past this attendee and she's like wait wait you have to pay and i was like no i just want to say hello and I go up to him and he's just sitting there and I'm like listen i just want to say hello you've given me so much joy in my life and he looked at me like an asshole. Like I just wanted, I just want to shake your hand, but I didn't realize that I needed to pay to fucking meet him. Oh. And he was nice enough to shake my hand. I didn't ask for a photo. I didn't ask for anything. I just wanted to meet Chewbacca. Yeah. And he was still as sweet as he could to me, even though I was stealing from him, essentially. And then I later see. on, when I found out that that's how that's how those convention things work, because I'm. I don't give a fuck about meeting a celebrity unless they're like Stan Lee and you know, like I got lucky enough to meet uh, Billy Zabka with you. Mm-hmm. And, but at the same time though, you know, you paid, <laughs> you paid. <laughs> I know you I've paid. got my, uh, I got my signed thing, uh, signed uh, glossy up here. That's one of the best glossies I've ever seen. So that's a highly Dude. produced glossy. It's up there next to my Jay Lee Namor. Well, Billy Zabka, by the way, is uh, Johnny Lawrence from the Karate Kid films. If you, by the way, off the top of your head, folks. Also, the bad guy of his age range in virtually everything in the '80s for about four years. What was it? Uh, Back to School with Rodney Dangerfield. He was the prick, sw- <laughs> prick diver. I got a cramp. Dude. Maybe it's Dude. menstrual. <laughs> I, I, yours, I managed to watch. I managed to watch the first two episodes of Cobra Kai yesterday, season two. Don't tell me anything, rad. you spoiler, you sick. You are a sick not, spoiler I will fiend. Not, I will not tell you. It was just fucking rad. Okay. It was just rad. I and know it I will I swear be. to God, listeners, I know you're not going to believe us, but four, I want to say three years ago, I called you and i took a long ass trip around the entire city of colorado springs and when we were talking about karate kid what would we do if we were going to write a sequel to karate kid and it was exactly it was exactly like like what we what actually happened it's got to be their kids fighting it's got to be all that and Oh, it's just the phone ringing, man. No one's going to care that the phone's ringing. It just hacks me off because I, I hate the landline here, and it's probably somebody from, what's it, Sri Lanka? <laughs> what's, whatever, uh, Guatemala, I can't I can't remember what it is. There's this business going on right now about uh, don't answer the phone if it's got a caller ID from this particular country because it's a, it's a scam. By the way, that was Peter Mayhew in The Force Awakens as Chewbacca. Okay, thank you. Yeah. Now, uh, it, it's it's worth it, guys. What I suggest you do, because you need to support local indie things, is you log into YouTube for the first time, get your 
YouTube Red account. Don't do RedTube because that's an entirely different thing. <laughs> what? And and then if you've already established your uh, YouTube account and use RedTube for the free month, make a new one. Yeah, I've been paying for it. I've been paying for YouTube since the first season came out, and I have been living a world of no advertisements and listening to hundreds of videos, John Oliver, WrestleMania, What Culture, Lore Reloaded. Can, it just go the list goes on and on and on of all the stuff I've I can enjoyed. deal with uh I can deal with ads on on YouTube. I, I don't like it on my on my Hulu. That's why I pay extra for the Hulu. I dig that. Well I'm but, gonna say the 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 last the bit of Chewbacca stuff. The man he moved to Plano, Texas. He lived there for the last couple of i don't know probably at least 10 years um and uh which always surprised me because like texas dallas i don't know i'm not i'm not you know ultra thrilled i mean there's a really great bunch of museums in uh, fort worth i hear and there are some wonderful lego places but i don't think peter mayhew was into that stuff uh i'll just say you know my my this is ridiculous but my favorite Peter Mayhew experience was, I hope this is, man, yeah, okay, going to the men's room, standing at the urinal, and the tallest human I've ever seen coming in and peeing at the next urinal, and the man, I think his knees were up to my elbows, he was so freaking tall, Uh, it was shocking, and it's just, it's one of those nerve-wracking experiences where you're just like, I should definitely... Men at urinals stare straight ahead. It's Chewbacca. Did not, did not take a look. Just did, did the duty and got out of there. Do you remember our, that, that Japanese dude we met at WrestleMania, Mino? Yeah, yeah. Do you, do you, do you know who he was pissing next to at fucking Mania? Oh yeah, you told me that story, um... God, no, I don't remember who it was. Okada. Okada. Okay. Okada. He was pissing next to Okada. And he was incognito, right? Incognito. He yeah. he looked over like Okada saw that like he did his best to translate because he doesn't speak the best English, but he did his best to translate to Sven and Gina, and basically he saw in Okada's eyes that Okada recognized him, recognized him recognizing him. Yeah, yeah. And gave him the look like, please don't. And left him alone, washed his hands, and peace out. That's awesome, man. I did that with uh, the two Johns and all the Dans from They Might Be Giants once. <laughs> I went down to Dallas again and went to see one of their shows years and years ago. And I remember we all ended up, like, everybody that I went and some other people we caught up with had dinner at this place. And they were all eating there before the show. And I was just like... I've spent my whole life wondering what it would be like to meet celebrities, and uh, now I'm seeing somebody, and I'm not going to bother them while they're eating. Uh, and then I've made a career uh, where I meet celebrities and work with them and get to be friends. I mean, just everybody's people. Even even people as tall as Peter Mayhew, they're all people. Anyway, we should progress. God bless you, Peter I, Mayhew. I agree, but we're, I'm having way too much fun. Uh, my <laughs> worst celebrity experience was at the Diamond Ballroom in Oklahoma City, and I went with Haley, mm-hmm. and uh, we went to go see the Shiny Toe Guns. Oh, yeah. Okay. And I, I'd been to Jeremy's house like once or twice. It was like this infamous party house across the street from my ex-girlfriend's house. And 
the show's about to begin, and God, guys, I'm sorry, this is so gross, but I trusted a fart and I pooped my pants. And <laughs> I'm in the house? bathroom. No, at the fucking diamond ballroom. Oh, okay. And I and I'm in the fucking one stall that the door is like I want to say five feet tall, and I'm <laughs> pulling my fuck I'm pulling my fucking door off to throw it in the trash. And and I look up and Jeremy and the lead singer are like like they've got their elbows over the fucking cell like, hey Josh and Michael, what are you doing? I shit my fucking pants, okay? And they're like, <laughs> and they're like that's cool. What are, you, what are you gonna do about it? I'm like I'm throwing my fucking underwear. Like like you realize we're never gonna let you forget this. I'm like I'm probably never gonna see you assholes again. <laughs> and they're like, well, wipe your ass and enjoy the enjoy the show. And then, sure enough, the Shiny Toad Guns did a fucking killer show. Well, that's nice. <laughs> Dang. It was a nice show, but, like, I, I don't like jeans against penis and zipper. Oh, God, it's uncomfortable. Commando, huh? Not Commando. Commando. Don't I had to, like, I, I literally have a photo of Haley and I moments after said shart, and I'm looking uncomfortable, and Haley's, like, hanging on me, and I'm like, oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to have to let her know that you uh, have this whole thing recorded for the whole world to hear. I'm fairly certain I told her I pooped my pants tonight. No, I'm sure I you told did. her. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I did. Anyway, MC we got some comics. Pants. Yeah, MC let's talk pants. about comics. Let's start. Comics. You start. You've got comics. Oh, uh, you begin. Oh, I've, got, I've got some DC this week. Hmm. Deceased number one. The end of everything starts here. We've got a killer Greg Capullo cover. But guess what this DC thing is? It's fucking Marvel zombies in the DC world with Darkseid. Darkseid realizes there's a huge equation that needs to be balanced, and it's within Cyborg. Well, really, they balance the they balance the equation, and they summon death. And as the equation is balancing, you see the words shame, failure, death, despair, fear, alienation, loneliness surround them. And Darkseid gets infected with this, and he goes back to Apocalypse and dives into the core of the actual planet, and it just destroys it, and he's dead. And Cyborg is trying to contain himself and teleports to Earth to try to get away from Darkseid. But unfortunately, he, he the equation is some sort of uh, God. I don't even know how to say this. It's if you look at him, the the tech. It's like a techno organic virus. Oh, but sure. But if you if you see anyone that has the virus, it infects you too. It's just fucking zombies, and I was so disappointed, man. Uh, it, like we're talking social media bullshit. And if you're on social media and this one person, like everyone's taking the picture of Cyborg and they just spread like wildfire over social media. And if you saw the photo and Bruce figures it out and activates the electromagnetic pulse in the mansion, Superman figures it out and they got to contain Cyborg and they've got six days before the entire world is infected with this techno-organic zombie virus. And I thought this was going to be something a lot more, God, I, I expected more with this. Uh, however, the artwork was phenomenal. That's cool. uh, it was it it was like it reminded me of the artwork of that was. Remember Dark Rain? There was like this random weird comic called Zodiac. He was this weird serial killer with a 
like a, a mask, like a bag, like a, a executioner's bag over his head, and he had this like lock and chain. He's wearing a suit, and it's it's whimsical art, and it was really good. But there was parts of it where it was DC extremely detailed type art, and we're we're talking about writer Tom Taylor, artist Trevor Harrison, Stefano Gaudino. James Heron, colorist Rain uh, Barreto, letterer uh, Saida Timofante, cover artist Greg Capolo, and FCO Placencia. Variant covers, who cares? <laughs> well, it, right. it, it, this was garbage. Like, like, I felt stupider after reading this. Like, uh, how do you spell the title? I can't find it listed here. It just just deceased. Yeah, it's not coming. De- D C E A S E D deceased, but the oh, D and C are yeah yeah. So the D C is just accentuated. Some asshole figured out that we could do deceased, and yeah, but we've got a great Capolo cover. I love him doing Batman. I never thought he could do anything better than Spawn, and I was absolutely wrong. Him and Scott Snyder have been just fucking kicking ass. Everything they do with with uh, Batman, they've got an upcoming, upcoming uh, their swan song with Batman that they are fucking plugging the living shit out of on every DC uh, comic right now. And uh, that's all I got to say about that one. But mm. I want to move. I want to move on to the new Green Lantern. Yeah. Number seven. We've got uh, Grant Morrison. See, one of those things where I'm looking at it and you gotta go to the last page to find the credits. Grant Morrison. Liam Sharp, artist and colorist. Tom Orzazowski, letters. Liam Sharp with Steve Olaf, cover. Steve Olaf is the colorist from the original Image Comics from All the Optics. All right. He was one of the, like, they really went balls to the wall when it came to Image when it came out back in the day. Steve Olaf was one of the main players on that. So that's really fucking cool. Um, this was, have you ever, again, it's Green Lantern number seven. Have you ever played D&D with someone with a with a, a DM that just got too fucking into it and just made it feel silly? What, the story or the, the, uh, everything. Everything he's doing the voices and and it's and nah. it, it just it, it just displaced you like come on man like give us some little bit of realism here because like your 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 your, your over exuberism is really taking me out of this and making me feel like an asshole for even being here. Uh, this was what I felt like when I was reading this new issue. Um, he realizes this emerald world. He's actually trapped because he stopped that weird universe-ending bomb. And it trapped him within the realm of the ring. And all there, there's an entire universe within the ring. And they're running out of time because he's way far away from, from a lantern to recharge. Okay. And he has to wake up the actual entity that w- is the person, the uh, anthropomorphic uh, imagination of their own identity of who the actual ring is. And it, it's it's a countdown, and but it's a long poem, and big long splash pages, and it was exhausting, and I can understand 
why some people really like that because you know you you get in DC because you want that sort of exposition ex, exposition, and it just it was just tiring. It was it was someone telling you a tale of ye old tales, and mm-hmm. I, I it was just exhausting just to read it. Like as soon as it got into that, like I, I it was great work. It doesn't suck. It just wasn't something I didn't like, and it was something I did not like, and. It ended with you get to meet who the realm inside the ring eventually until the last bit of power as the ring is floating through the through, through space as they use the last bit of power at point zero three to you know magnetize it towards the you know every lantern it can get a hold of into the main world the you know where the uh, the not the watchers the leaders whatever the hell they are oh, what yeah and. It was just it was an exhausting thing to read. That's tough. I mean, that's you're gonna you're gonna pay for it sometimes with Grant Morrison because I was every, expecting this. I I, I was surprised yeah. that this hadn't happened already. Uh, yeah, you know, I mean, ultimately the payoff is in the uh, is having the entire cake and not all of its in you know in specific ingredients when it comes to Grant Morrison books, and I think we both know that. I mean, that's just how well, it goes. It wasn't bad. It just wasn't my favorite slice of pizza. <laughs> that's, that's that's the best way I can put it. Like, basically, you ordered it and put a bunch of ham and all this other shit and non like pickled jalapenos. Like, no, just wasn't my deal. What I think got? that uh, it's just one of those things. You know, it's it's like the stock market. The longer you stay in it. <laughs> the better chance of yields you know you're uh yeah. you're just gonna have to get all of them when it comes to a grant morrison book to see what the payoff is has he ever let us down with anything i mean i know c guy didn't do too well but oh i remember fans c guy. like it you know? <laughs> oh he's never let us down but he but you know that's a good ass point he's never let us down and he always gives us a different flavor of ice cream yeah if you don't like that just read this one. See, I'm gonna if you jump, don't like, I'm gonna I'm gonna jump from that to what I've been reading because the dark the Dakin book that I picked up felt like a Grant Morrison book almost. Having just come off of uh, reading those Marvel Boy books from what was it 2000 1999 I can't recall when the, when the, let me look that up actually yeah and um, having looked so up I'm, the. Sorry, I've heard it two. I've heard it two ways. Uh, by the way, I, I've always pronounced it Dakin, but I, one of my best good friends, uh, Stephanie, yeah. she named her dog Dawkin and spells it the same way we spell Dakin. But apparently, she looked it up. That's how you actually say the actual Japanese word, which means mongrel. Yeah. Which is why they call them that. If you if you get to the right pages, and I was uh, a, a Dakin. Absolutely obsessive. Uh, obsessive. I thought he was just the coolest thing in the world. First appearance, uh, Wolverine Origins number ten. I've got six of them. They were they were in a dollar bin in like two thousand and eight, and there were six of them, all a dollar. I said, "Fuck it, I'm buying every single one of them." And uh, I don't I don't have the Casada uh, variant because the, the regular cover is just it's all white, and you see uh, Dakin's hand go down, and the 
the top two claws came out, but it's a Casada cover. But right, the, the right. variant, the variant one, which is worth a shitload of money, has the third claw coming out out of the forearm. Mm-hmm. And he's only in it for a second. And, and by the way, guys, we're talking about uh, Way and Steve Dillon doing this shit. This Wolverine Origins. If you haven't read Wolverine Origins, you have fucked up. The entire series of Wolverine Origins was phenomenal. Starts out with battles against Cap, reminiscences back in the war. We're talking real nitty-gritty, true blue Wolverine. Better than what was happening in the pages. And what was happening in the pages of Wolverine at the moment was fucking uh, old man Logan. And you just couldn't get enough of good Logan. And he's he, he's there to kill his dad. And... Um, like I said, uh, Dakin, Dokken, however you want to say it, uh, means mongrel in Japanese. He is the – if you guys watch the Wolverine movie where he fights the Silver Samurai, Yukio, the girl that is the one that brings him to Japan, that's, oh, yeah. his de- that's, his, that's his mom. Not Mariko. Don't get that confused because that's the love of his life other than Gene. But – Yukio, like they actually show. What, what about Silver Fox? Oh, Silver. Oh, he fucked the living shit out of her, but they never had a kid. Yeah. <laughs> we're talking about some. We're talking about some ice cream cake uh, with that one. At, at the prom. That's <laughs> substantial. Prom, at the prom, if you're reading Wolverine number fifty, one of my favorite comic books of all time, with the slashes die cut, beautiful. Um, Yukio was Dawkins or Dakin's mom, and. This happened, I want to say, in the 80s. And the baby was born for a brief moment, and you see this guy with, like, big, giant legs pick the baby up. And then they go into the story that the whole idea of the Wolverine origin scene was someone was manipulating him since before he was even born and manipulating the Hudson gene line. Uh, what the hell was his name? Romulus. Oh, Okay. Romulus, and he's basically Wolverine, Sabretooth, all built into one guy, and Bane and Onslaught. And it was it was a long, tired story that they eventually built up. It was still pretty good. Um, but yeah, you're which? What was the book you you had in your hand? Like which one? Which storyline is that one? I I accidentally read this out of order, so I picked up uh, Dakin Dark Wolverine um, Empire. And then Pride Comes Before the Fall. And this is No More Heroes. So this is the last book in the Dake and Dark Wolverine storyline. And it starts with the issue number 20. This is from 2010. That just, it's all shocking oh, to me. Oh, absolutely. It's post, it's its like yeah. immediate post uh, Dark Reign Siege. Yeah. So it's, it's a issue, it starts with issue 20. And then... It comes to a really tragic conclusion. Let me go back in my list here. In issue twenty-three, Lost Weekend. Um, so I've read these. I've read this out of order by accident, and then I'm missing some of these trades. It was just one of those things where I saw them and they were really cheap, and I was like, "No, I really want to know what was going on with this." And uh, dudes, I mean, when we went in and we were talking about Marvel Boy a couple of months ago, they, this character really feels like somebody that Grant Morrison should have written because you've got a character that is uh bisexual. Oh, I forgot it. Well, yeah, that part, but um in particular uh he's 
I'm trying to think of the right word, and irascible is the closest thing that's coming to my mind. He, he's he's, a, he's he's irrelevant. He's a what? He's he's irreverent. He, irreverent. He doesn't sure. He doesn't care. Irreverent. Not not the first word I said. He doesn't care about the consequences of his actions in any way whatsoever. He just wants to kill his dad. He wants to get laid. He wants to do drugs. He wants to be a superhero or a villain. Doesn't really matter. Just really what sparks him for whatever his fancy is that day. And uh, for people that know anything about Dakin, is that one of his extra powers? Because he's got Wolverine's powers. He's got the healing factor. Not, but he doesn't have the animatum skeleton. But he has the power to influence your pheromones. He will use his own pheromones to just Pied Piper you to exactly where he wants you to go. And you're reading the book where he's doing heat, the right. drug that is so good that it's ruining his actual healing factor, right? Yeah, that's how he uh, – honestly, I don't, I don't want to blow anything for anybody, but his healing factor that he inherited from Wolverine is jeopardized through the entire story, so much so that uh, he is essentially mortal. And, um, yep. yeah, without blowing it for anybody. But I just want to say that, uh, I, you know, like picking up something from that time period fascinates me because at the very least, this story is taking place in Hollywood, California, mainly. And Perfect. Perfect. That, that the kingpin of crime in L.A., at that time period is one of my favorite villains, Count Nefaria. And there's also the supervillain crew out there, the pride. And if you've ever seen all of the runaways books, the runaways are the children of the supervillain super team, the pride who real. And I don't know. I didn't, did you get to watch that TV series? I really wanted to check that out, and I, I it was just not I, on a channel I had. I, I I didn't bother, and the only reason why I didn't bother was because it wasn't on HBO or Showtime, and it wasn't rated R because you can't tell that story G rated. Period. What about uh, what about like Cloak and Dagger for while we're on the topic? Have you watched that at all on Freeform? No, no, I got halfway through the first episode, and I was just like, this is some fucking. Uh, it, it was it was a cash grab. They're it in their not, second season. Yeah, I don't care. It was a cash grab. All right. There well, anyway, no, there there was no good character development. It wasn't push and pull between Cloak and Dagger. It was it was a cash grab, and I'm sorry to say this, but why wouldn't they pick up a I don't know a, a a story where it's a black guy and a white girl that aren't really fucking and we can develop the story. Like this is something like we can sell the millennials because it's a black girl and a white girl. Um, that's not the real story. And they, they butchered it. Like I got halfway through and I was done. Uh, yeah. But at the same time though, well, I got halfway through Jessica Jones. I, I, I made the mistake of trying to watch Jessica Jones with my mom. And then within five minutes, she's getting plowed in oh, half. Man. Like, she's getting plowed in half. Like, well, we got to take this <laughs> take this off <laughs> all right well uh, anyway the point of what i was getting to looking at these things is is uh because uh, the runaways right so they've done a good thing developing those characters and at least there's something going on in the marvel universe that's not happening all in new york city and so you've got you had at that time period brian michael bendis and alex malieve one of my favorite creative teams uh they're working together on Moon Knight 
in uh, 2010, 11, 12. And this book comes out at the same time and they set it there. So you've got Count Nefaria as the kingpin, like I say, and then they tie in the pride because the runaways are living in some secret hideaway that's uh, right off of the Hollywood sign. And there's a lot of good to be taken from that entire thing. I would highly recommend picking up the Moon Knight book if you get the opportunity to. And then if you're into the concept of a, a totally irreverent character like this, uh, if you've read Marvel Boy after we suggested reading it all those months ago, uh, you're going to like these Dakin books, I think. The guy knows he's a bad guy. The guy, at least, this is what this is how he sadly meets his end in the end of this. And, uh, I mean, that's the thing. He knows he is an unwanted character and that everything's wrong for him. So it all develops. The problem is I've read this out of order. I'm going to go back and I'm going to try to read all this from the beginning. It's still going to be fun. It's still yeah. going to be fun. What, what you really oh, need yeah, to totally. do is... What you really need to do is start from Wolverine Origins number one. All right. I've best, uh, I've definitely read best, that. Best Wolfie series ever. Hmm. Daniel Way knocked it out of the park. Second off, if I was to be uh, some, if I was going to be someone that had, was in the know and could talk to some Hollywood producer to try to get uh, some Marvel comic property made, I would not focus on the Runaways or Cloak and Dagger, I would want a hard X. And by the way, I don't mean X because I want to see porn. TNA. No, I don't want to see it. I don't want to see X because I want to see porn because it's the only way it can be presented. What can what what can be presented? Okay, so just to start what? it off, NC, well, no, no, no. Uh, X is actually NC seventeen. It's just a little too hard. It's not porn, but it's 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 hard. Like kids was NC seventeen. Remember kids? Yeah. Uh, dude, I there's parts House of me of, that it feels like Reservoir Dogs should have been. Yeah, yeah, agreed. Uh, House of a Thousand Corpses got an NC seventeen uh, rating at first. Um, NYX, No Way Home, No Way Home. Oh, okay, I get you. Yeah, that one. That one needs to be nitty gritty, and there's a story there. There's it, there's not a story in the lurid luridness, but it accentuates what's actually happening. These guys. So the Runaways are, are, are they've got rich parents, they're evil mutants, and they're trying to get away from them. These guys are homeless mutants that are prostitutes, drug addicts, and you got to tell that story the right way because if you don't, you're gonna you're going to lose what the heart of the story is. Like, y'all, y'all think that like, that X 23 is this good guy. Oh, she's the clone of Wolverine or she's this little girl in fucking the Logan movie, which was shit. And no, she was a prostitute. She was brutalized. She was the 23rd clone of Wolverine brutalized by her own mother within the weapon X program. And she escapes kills her mom and is on the streets. And that's what NYX was. And God bless you, Joe Casada, for that. That was one of the best fucking things I've ever read in my life. What year did NYX come out? That was early 2000s. Uh, yeah, I want to say it was like probably 2001, 2002, maybe three. It was, it's, it's, it's one of the harder comics to find. Remember the first one we went to that one? Yeah. Two, yeah. That but was, no that's way a home, hard one. 
No Way Home was 2008. <clears throat> no, that was the second version of No Way Home, NYX, oh, written, by Marjorie, written by Marjorie Liu, and that one was just as good. It just wasn't as hard-hitting as the original one with X-23. It didn't have anyone as memorable as X-23 as you could really push. Um, yeah, stuff God. was... They were... I mean, my... Uh, there's a lot to say about the Silver Age. There's a lot to say about even the, you know, the Bronze Age of comics. And I love 80s, 90s, early 90s Spider-Man and stuff like that. But getting things to be much more interesting from year 2000 to about 2004 was just one of the best times, I think. You know, and that's when that came out. But, uh, <clears throat> man. The most, the most fun I've had in Ultimate. comics in, in my entire life was it wasn't Jim Lee, it wasn't McFarlane, it wasn't Spawn. I gotta say my favorite time in the era of comics that I've been living actually alive through was Secret Rain, Secret Invasion, Dark Rain, Siege. Holy fucking shit, that was That's it was great two, stuff. Two and a half years or actually three and a half of solid awesomeness. Mm-hmm. Like Everything, even the little offshoot comics were good. And Zodiac, um, reading like what, like especially Dark Avengers is one of the best comic books. I've Dark ever Avengers, read dude, that's why I picked this up. That's why I picked up these Deccan books, you know, because I was like, oh yeah, the whole dark, uh, dark character aspect. I wish that it wasn't Dark Wolverine. It's Dakin Dark Wolverine. I I don't know why he needs it. He's not Wolverine. Well, it's because of Norman's, because uh, Norman was running Thunderbolts when he intercepted Deadpool's right. commu communique of how to kill the Super Scroll, and he's the one that killed the Super Scroll on TV. So they give him like uh, you know hold over shield, and mm -hmm. he's running everything in the Thunderbolts. Who, if you guys don't know this, Thunderbolts were ex criminals, uh, superhuman, superhuman you know, criminals that were are now supposed to be good and they've got, they're on a leash. He, ta he takes all of, he takes the tropes that they are and, okay, so we need a Wolverine. What? Let's get a son. Wear the suit. Wear the, wear the Yoshida clan costume. Fuck it. You've got Matt Gargan as Venom. Yeah, yeah. You've got, you, you've got, uh, who was Miss Marvel? There were, they had a Miss Marvel. Carla Sophin Moonstone. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Bullseye, and Bullseye, um, as as uh, as Hawkeye, you've got some of the most interesting villains portraying the Avengers under the tutelage, under the control of uh, the Iron Patriot, Norman Osborn, and who, he is up until satiating. that time. What? Yeah. Up until that oh, time, I never thought why, we you know, like Norman Osborn would hate Tony Stark like he did, but why wouldn't he? They're both powerful industrialists trying to get government contracts. Why wouldn't he hate Tony Stark? And then what does he do? He gets to take over Tony Stark's thing and he gets to be Captain America and Iron Man in the same costume. You watch uh, Iron Man 3 and you see the uh, war machine turn into Iron Patriot. That's not how it happened. Uh, but it, it still it was fun and I'm glad for it. And I got an Iron Patriot Lego character out of it, which, you know, way cool. But, uh, you, did, yeah, you know, in hindsight, who was really the bad guy in that? Oh, it was still, uh, Aldrich Killian, the, uh, leader of AIM in that movie. Or no, no, I mean, about? I'm talking about Siege. I'm talking yeah, about Siege, Siege Dark Reign. 
the the entire time it's always norman norman that's what it was the goblin it was definitely the goblin well okay so we had the he had the the paint on underneath the iron patriot that's right but what was he really doing he was constantly calming down the sentry he was calming everybody down he was trying to keep bullseye from railing moonstone on the uh but was conference he doing room any... table he was trying to he was trying to do what he was supposed to do as the leader of the thunderbolts to manage an unmanageable it's it's like that stupidity in uh spider-man 2 you're gonna have dr octopus trying to control a son from going out of control that's what norman was trying to do but with supervillains, trying to control he... this uncontrollable thing make sure that you know if he's got the sentry robert reynolds on his team then he's got a he's got a guy that could descend into being the void and destroy the eastern seaboard at any given moment He's trying to constantly control the uncontrollable while simultaneously controlling the Green Goblin within him. And can it be done? And then he's also trying to control all the other craziness out there. The Molecule Man. Think, uh, think about Doom. it. Doom. Um, he's controlling them. The, the Cabal, of all oh, things. Oh, if, oh, that, if you, was, that was one of the best. We can't oh, talk God, about this time period issue. without talking about the Illuminati, who oh, are... If you guys don't know who the Illuminati are, go to your comic book store and pick up that book. It's Doctor Strange, Tony Stark, Reed Richards, Black Bolt, Namor the Submariner, yeah, and Professor X. The most powerful superheroes on the planet. And you might wonder, why not Captain America? It eventually gets explained. And these guys get together in a quiet little room every so often when something major is happening that they need to take down be it a be it the scrolls but, are threatening earth or you know the beyonder was, has reappeared or i don't know uh he was making sure that the fucking boy didn't go crazy exactly. he was calming down a bunch of people and yeah it, it broke him and that's one of the best things in hindsight now is that yeah it did 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 break him eventually but only because Oh, the problem uh, is that know, Norman Osborn is always in it for himself. And what is he? Yes, of course he is. I mean, that's not even the Green Goblin. Norman Osborn historically, and we are way off topic, but uh you go you go back and look at Silver Age Green Goblin, you never see him take a serum like he did in the first Spider-Man movie in 2002. You just are introduced to the Goblin as he exists in Amazing Spider-Man issue 14. And from then on, you realize that there's a shadowy figure. You don't know who the Goblin is, and he keeps recurring. But you right. start to see Norman Osborn, and he's freaking out every so often, the way they always drew beads of sweat on his face and those kind of like teeth-chattering, bulging eyes, you know, freaking out about something and realize there's a problem with this guy, and Peter's torn. Peter Parker is torn between... You know, what has he got to do for Harry Osborn and what he's got to do and what's the matter with their relationship with uh, Harry and his dad, Norman, and all this stuff. You ultimately realize that it's that duality that's a mess because Peter can beat the goblin out of Norman. And he does. And then that's why that that uh, the, life, uh, the life story of Spider-Man issue is so good because it is on par with how it was originally. And uh, so if you guys haven't read that, I recommend going out and trying to find that uh, life story of Spider-Man 1960s. Um, so 
because you know you you know can you find a green goblin collection i don't know check out your marvel masterworks or maybe there's an omnibus edition but what it really boils down to is norman osborne industrialist chemistry type guy something of a scientist myself in the end look at every iteration of the character versus every iteration of aunt may and uncle ben and look at the upbringing between Harry and Peter, and tell me which pers- which which people are inherently good, because it is an action. Ba- it is it is a not a meritocracy, but your actions speak louder than your words. Norman is constantly saying, "I got to get this thing under control. I got to do it. I got to do it." Well, he never does. Maybe he can't, but could he step away from being the industrialist super guy and let the com- company go and go? get this thing figured out maybe maybe he couldn't the goblin is always within him once he takes that serum and once he becomes the goblin but in the end he's always still in it for himself always always but i think he was actually trying to be honorable in this time i think he was probably you know what what what's the deal with thunderbolts how are the thunderbolts even a thing Everybody, all these guys that I know love the Thunderbolts because it's, oh, the bad guys are doing good guy stuff. And then you get to see these, but they're still bad guys. Yeah, it was a rip It was a ripoff. It was a ripoff of Secret Six from DC. Secret Six was so badass. They're all bad guys, and we all know it. And ultimately, whether the pendulum has swung one direction or another, they are eventually going to be bad guys again. You cannot make, I don't care how much electroshock therapy or whatever they were doing to make bad whatever they the chip they implanted or i don't even really know you're gonna the bad guys are gonna end up being the bad guys again all all i have to say is that i read a interview with um like it was on cnn like a couple months ago about some woman that used to work for the caa and had encountered a lot of russian spies and Mm -hmm. she said something really poignant she was like all of us think we're working for the good guys. There's, Yeah, that's true. That's totally true. Everybody does think they're working for the good guys. And uh, I think you need to think about that when that's you're brilliant. reading Siege. Yeah. Good point. Siege, and uh, I, we can argue this so we're blue in the face, but you got to realize all of them think they're working for the good guys. Norman thought he was doing good. He was tr- He was really doing the best. I mean, really common, common calming the void down and as soon as they pissed off the siege i'm sorry the, <laughs> just getting really excited as soon as they really pissed off the century you fools i was the only one holding him back yeah and then he you know he sent the sentry in to destroy asgard and then the the, the void came out but they were one in the same for that moment you know yeah. they were one in the same it's one of the best hero clicks i've ever seen so unbelievably powerful. It's was it the octopus? Sculpt. Was it that weird octopus thing? Uh, with the red eyes? More or less. Like it's a. Uh, mm, I don't see my box that has it in it, but uh, you know that one scene where you see the sentry and he's kind of in that like um, meditative pose. state with his legs crossed and he's hovering. Yeah. And then there's all that creepy stuff like flowed out in a in a very kind of Hindu esque depiction behind him that's what it is that's what it amounts to um 
Yeah, because in that moment, the the sentry and the void were one and the same. That's the only time we've ever seen it. And then, of course, Thor came in and uh, destroyed the sentry's head with the Mjolnir. But, um, I was really pissed off about that, by the way, because like there was all these splash pages in it, and when Thor is hammering Mjolnir into the head of the sentry in the void, it was a tiny little page. It was it was so small, and then it was just over. Like, how could you have that last little bit of of yeah? Bring it up, bring it up, bring it up, bring it up. Let's see it. That <laughs> last little bit. You see the void go crazy, destroys Asgard, crashes over that city in Oklahoma or tiny village, and you see a bunch of splash pages. But when Thor is hammering the guts out of the, out of the sentry of the void. It's a tiny panel, and you barely see anything. How could you have deprived us from that? That should have been a fucking splash page. What the death? You wanted to see the uh, the the carnage of it all, and yeah, why wouldn't I, man? We've been building up to this, building up to this so much, and we barely see it in in, in a uh, three by two panel of him hammering down, and then there's a crater. Why not give us that splash page? That was so such a missed opportunity. Hmm. You could have printed one more goddamn page or two to give us a splash page of Thor throwing the hammer down, and instead you wasted on a bunch of other bullshit during out during the rest of it. By the way, the best entire panel scene that was in Siege was when Taskmaster tells Norman, "You need to turn around," and he turns around and it's that like that six issue breakdown, that that six issue. A six panel breakdown and he turns around and he sees the shield flying at him close oh yeah totally close totally. and then clang and then first first page of next issue he's got the goblin makeup on no and like everyone like fantastic four x-men and watching on tv like told you told you told you told you <laughs> yeah totally why not give us that that give that to us god damn it all right, let's move uh, that's on. all right. Uncanny X Men number seventeen. Uh, that's a new one. Written by Matthew Rosenberg, Carlos Gomez, artists, uh, Gru Effects, color artists, VCs, Joe Caramanga, 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 cover artists, Wills Portacio and Eric uh, Arcinega. Okay, so last issue, Will Spain died in a knockdown dragout, but. Didn't really happen in Knockdown Dragout. She'd actually left left the X Men because she was tired of being with the X Men. She didn't want she didn't want to fight. I get that. The, I don't know why more of these people aren't just, like all over every book, just being like, "I can't do this shit anymore. I gotta go." This is ridiculous. Funerals going. Funerals about to happen, and Wolverine gets a bit of psychic knowledge about what really happened to her. Mm hmm. And she had left left the X-Men. She's sitting on a park bench waiting for a bus, and some dudes walk by and like, hey, come to the party. Come to the party. No, no, I don't want to go to the party. And they get handsy with her. And this guy, this fucking blonde white boy asshole fucking freaks out because she's rejecting him. And she turns full on Wolfsbane and just slashes his face. But there's six of them. And they stomp her to death. And oh. Wolverine... Wolverine is given the psychic cues. That's what happened. And given their location and he shows up with a duffel bag and they're freaking, they're shitting their pants and he 
sits the duffel bag on the counter and says, I got one request. You guys fight back. It's filled with guns, brass knuckles, baseball bats, you name it, knives. And they get intruded upon uh, because uh, mutants are illegal now, and they're trying to stop some terrorists, and Wolverine just murders them all. And they, right now, what's going on with the X-Men, when I really like this part, is that Scott is tired of being the leader, and he gave it up to everyone. How are we going to be the leader? I can't be the leader anymore. I thought Scott was dead. No, Scott's back. Scott's oh, back. come on. And it's been like six, seven years. <laughs> no, no, no. I thought that anyway. the Scott that we were reading about for the last six, seven years was a projection of Emma Frost's. No, that mind. is you're talking about the young Scott from uh, New X Men, where uh, the original six six of the X Men got brought back yeah, in our yeah, time by that Beast. Was a bunch of hooey that lasted way too long. And uh, they have a big fight about. They got a big fight about. Like, how dare you come here? You missed the whole funeral. Wolverine's covered in bullet wounds, and they have a knockdown dragout. And he's like, "You need to leave." He's like, "No, you're not the leader anymore." No, oh, okay, we already yeah. we already we already voted on this. This is a, this is a team decision. They get into it, and this is a really good point. They've got the list of who they need to kill or stop all the X Men problems. So if the X Men are effectively wiped off the Earth, and there's no more mutants that they've effectively stopped the problems that they've been directly responsible for or in any way involved with, like Mr. Sinister. And one of them, Kane, points mm-hmm. out, like, why isn't Emma Frost on this list? And everyone stops and says, who the hell is Emma Frost? Really? Yeah. Yeah, it, it's, it, it, was, it was a good issue. It was really quick and sweet. Um, but the real meat and potatoes of this this week's comics was Batman and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 3, number one. It's an Elseworlds tale. Oh, okay, it's, cool. It's, it's told from the perspective as if Batman had been found in the sewers by Master Splinter, and Master Splinter was Pennyworth. <laughs> All right. And it, it written by Scott Snyder, Brian Michael Bendis, James Tinian, the third, no, the fourth, art by Jim Chung, Alex Maleev, Francis Manipal. This was meat and potatoes. This was what book is gorgeous. that? Batman and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Dang. Number, okay. Number number three, number one. And you said in, Alex Maleev, huh? Alex Maleev said that word. Bendis, everyone. Uh, it starts out with Krang is tracking uh, someone that strayed from his captivity and they're showing up in an Elseworlds world where Batman is being raised by Master Splinter and he's one of the brothers. He's the fifth turtle. And they're working with they're they're trying to stop the laughing gang. Make sure that's the right word. Let's see. God. The, the laughing game? Gang? It's Harley it's Harley Quinn and a bunch of mutants. Okay. And, okay. and they're rob they're robbing a museum and the main guy that they're going after is basically Shredder crossed with the Joker. 
and they're stealing a meteorite. And as the meteorite expands and they touch it more, Batman realizes like he sees the Joker within the Joker and Shredder com- combination. Like this is wrong, and the artwork is gorgeous, absolutely phenomenal. Wait, who this did the pencils? Because I'm having a hard time coming up with this thing. Let me go back. It is Jim Chung, Alex Maleve, and Francis Manipal. Wild. Absolutely Chung, wild. huh? Yeah, but Francis Manipal and fucking Alex Maleve, holy shit. So Batman is part of the Elseworlds sale where he's been raised by the foot. Splinter is Pennyworth. And they're trying to calm him down. He's having really bad nightmares. And there has been an escapee from the crying world. And the technodrome is about to manifest within Earth's orbit, looking for this one person. And as Batman is meditating, trying to tell Mr. Spinner I'm having bad dreams, the the uh, exile is Raphael. There's already Raphael there. They, there's a lot of good pizza jokes. Pizza means peace. Yeah. A lot of great stuff, but the exile is actually a Laird and Eastman Raphael. Comes in black and white. Sweet. Spotted. That's clever. Spotted. Spotted. Stained. Those perfect inks. He's he's he stand out alone, black and white. Absolute original turtles. Black and white original, and he's there to tell him there's something wrong. It's an Elseworlds sale. Guys, the artwork is so dense and painted and digital and, and weird and just absolutely action-packed. We, we, you can't tell if that's Speed Bucket or Rock City or Clayface. And, like, just have a lot of fun. Just trust me. Just get it. You'll have fun. I'm looking at uh, various different images from all of the different series now that they've done Batman and turtles a few times, it seems. And, uh, it's pretty great looking. Stuff. Oh, oh, all of the turtles and, and Batman have been really good. Actually, all of the turtle crossovers have been phenomenal. Turtles and ghostbusters was to die for. That was so fucking good. And then you get to see crane in, in this new artist. They give him a new body crane, you know, in the chest, gorgeous artwork. But the fact that, the the exile is the black and white real true blue wrath yeah i think i'm seeing that on the cover here totally awesome team up reaganomics (laughs) reaganomics careful with that one that's a powerful that's a powerful uh moment of excitement right there only one of these people is played by color thought by the way i was rewatching all the uh star trek Robot chickens and uh, Shatner's dick getting caught in the sliding door fucking pissed myself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I listened to some uh, information or some uh, interviews from uh, George Takei and Bill Shatner today. Uh, oh my! They they I mean Shatner just does not understand what Takei is upset with him about and uh yeah they've got they've got a beef like he didn't show up to his wedding even though he was invited like like he feels like a second class citizen from what i understand that's a lot of stuff uh yeah shatner says you know hey i didn't get an invitation i didn't know that i was supposed to be there and takei is 
I, I didn't get any definitive information on whether or not they sent an invitation. Uh, but there was already a beef going on. It's fast it, because I was listening to a thing with um, uh, with uh, Walter Koenig, who plays Chekhov, the other day, and nuclear vessels, nuclear vessels, in Elemida, Star Trek Four. Everybody, <laughs> uh, it just sounds like Takei, as lovable as he is, is pretty easy to set off because Takei was a little hacked that uh, Chekhov took to his place while while he went and did um the green berets with john wayne and uh when he came back here's this guy and they they had to uh work together and i don't think he took his place it was just an opening for another cast member you know and it just seems really fucking butthurt sensitive that's what i, I think get. yeah okay. well let's be very careful with that phrase when we're talking about George Takei. <laughs> uh, I don't even know if that's a good joke. I don't even know if I should be joking like that. It just kind of came, came out of nowhere. I'm laughing. <laughs> uh, but, um, yeah, I mean, I just... It, unfortunately, the more I hear about it, the more it sounds like Takei is probably the guy that gets a little bit antagonized a lot easier than anybody else. And uh, uh, it's just interesting listening to Walter Koenig talk about his... Uh, co-stars on the show and what he learned from them and things like that anyway uh, it's all on youtube you can find it if you want to but this is not comics i don't have a star trek comic to talk about this week mm. let me see i'll jump into this what, uh this what, what what are we gonna watch next time we've got to we've got to do another star, star trek summer cast uh i'm actually proposing that we do uh x-files you want to do x-files tonight do an X Files? We could watch an X Files, yeah. Let's do Bad Blood. All right. Is it something I've got to lead into? I haven't seen all of the X Files, everybody. In case you're wondering. Hey, that's that's. I'm I'm a newbie with Star Trek, and you're a newbie with X Files, and we're gonna have some fun watching some kick-ass X Files. What do you got next? What comic you got? Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go into this Amazing Spider-Man HU20 just because. Thank you. Thank you. That, I these, forgot to read it. These are this is this is the uh, the book that's propelling Spider Man right now. Um, the HUs, not the main line. And I know we've it's talked a lot, a lot blood about what's guts. going on in this, but uh, we got Nick Spencer writing it, Corey Smith r- drawing, Mark Morales inking, and Eric Arcanega as the colorist. And then again, we've got uh, VCs Joe Caramagna. Uh, lettering it um yeah we, we gotta talk to that guy we gotta talk to that guy uh that's gonna be our uh we were gonna have matt damon on the show but uh oh uh, we got cut for time yeah so <laughs> what i'm seeing you know i don't want to go we talk a lot about this but so all of these hus are a lot more introspective and in the head of a particular character this one focuses on the vulture and um kind of things that are compelling him and propelling him uh, he gets offered, <clears throat> he gets offered help. You know, a few issues ago, we're reading it. We're like, where does the vulture suddenly show up to uh, lead all of these supervillains? And then Spidey was like, this guy's a fool. Don't trust him. And then it didn't work out. You know, uh, Arcade gave the vulture a uh, a disc of some sort that would help him to defeat some of the Craven bots and. That's how he more or less got control. And I'm not going to say that this issue sucked or anything. It just didn't super do anything for me, except reveal what's coming up in the next one where there's multiple vermin 
uh, if you've been reading it, you know that Vermin is has been released into Central Park. Uh, there will be multiple Vermin because they they mitochondrially like spored new ones. Unfortunately, the most exciting thing in this book that made me uh, care about anything was they have an advertisement for um, Spider-Man number 24 and the title font is missing and there's a black cat calling card and then when you flip through all these these advertisements you see the uh, uh, preview for black cat number one and she's stolen the title. So that was cute, and it's kind of sad when that's the most exciting aspect of the entire book. Though I will say there was a new Stan soapbox in here, and um, you actually read those? I do, uh, because I think that the guys at Marvel, the folks at Marvel, are putting a dramatic amount of effort into digging up old Stan soapboxes, and I don't think they want the man's voice to go away. Um, and I'm also kind of, it, it hurtens me to think that they're not cluttering the book. They're, they're taking, they're taking valuable advertising space away from people that they could put money into this to put Stan Lee back into the book, you know? And I, I just think that goes, right. I think that's, that, that helps. We all still feel this this uh, unfortunate passing so there you have it but nevertheless at least we're done with captain marvel advertisements on the back of it they were advertising the uh soundtrack score for captain marvel but now they're advertising the alan silvestri endgame score which uh, i haven't got to sit down and listen to but uh i've i pretty i kind of recall it from the viewing we had to do the record walking dead minute Oh my gosh, The Walking Dead Minute. What we're going to do is we're going to take a break. We're an hour and 21, 22 minutes in. We're going to take a break, <laughs> and then we're going to come back and do The Walking Dead Minute. So uh, uh, fade into some cool music. We're going to pause. Hey, everybody, we're back. <clears throat> I went down and got some more hot tea. I just keep drinking tea. That was a good-ass pee break. <laughs> Time for the Walking Dead Minute. Colin can do the honors and set the alarm. I will do it. I'm going to reset the lap. Okay, here we go. Uh, I do a stopwatch. And uh, I'm ready when you are. Are you ready, sir? I am ready. Okay, three. We're going to three, two, one, engage. Not three, two, one, and go, right? All right. All right. Got a lethal weapon at every time. All right, three. Will it to me, will it to me Riggs. Will it to me. Will it to me. I'm willing it to you. Three, two, one, engage. Okay, so it starts out where the <laughs> warring factions are going on. Governor is wanting to kill Rick. He calms the crowd down, gives an emotional speech, shows his, the stub of his hand, and he does the emotional, we are no longer the walking dead. And Ooh. I'm like, okay, this is stupid. And... They arrest the governor, take her to jail because they want to keep the peace. They, all the citizens, clean the place up, and Rick does his sit down with the gov, excuse me, governor in jail. They let her out, take her out to her, 40 own, seconds. her own her own bed her own bedroom. Michonne's like, you gotta, 
You've got to be the leader. He has an emotional moment with Carl. Glad you're my son. Glad you're my dad. I don't Eight trust seconds. myself. And it ends with uh, Rick getting shot in the heart. That's it, huh? That was that was that was it. <laughs> that was a. Uh...